Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flogger Presents, with your host, Andrew Wormsley. Three, two, one. Welcome everybody to the latest uh, podcast. Uh, I have with me another special guest, and it is Matt from Capital Faces of Instagram. Hi, Matt. Hey, Andrew. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Um, thanks a lot for uh, getting in touch and... Uh, coming on the show with me oh it's my pleasure my pleasure great to talk to you so it was really nice for someone else to be forward for a change oh, was i forward was i too forward no definitely not no i i um, i think we were just chatting on instagram he was like oh i'll be up for a podcast and that never happens to me really I, you know what I've only, yeah. I, the thing is i've only done one and it was with our friend it yeah. was with our friend bob Mutual friend. Yeah, there. and um, I really enjoyed it. So, so I thought, you know, yeah, I'll do another one easily. Yeah, I, I find them so fascinating that there's so much more um, interesting than writing to someone and messages and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the thing is, is, is I, I listen to podcasts on the train every day. Gets me through my journey on my commute. Right. So, so I think I think they're a great thing. You can learn so much on a podcast. Not on this. Not on this one. Yeah. I'll probably come up with a lot of rubbish. But, <laughs> but, but uh, by and large, I learn a lot from podcasts. Yeah, I I started my journey with podcasts um, about four months ago um, because we used this tool called um, Anchor. Oh, Anchor, Anchor FM. And yeah, yeah Anchor yeah. FM. That's the one. Yeah. And what, what that did for me was uh, introduce me to like a little community. And then there was only probably three or four hundred of us in the group. So it was quite a really nice thing. And people would say, oh, I've got my new podcast out. What do you think? And, and you would have time to comment. And then people would come back to you and you're like, oh, I'm struggling with this. And then I just thought, do you know, what? why don't I do a project? I said to everybody, Give me your um, URLs to your podcast, and I'm going to listen to them all. So I did that for uh, about a month. And these were like varying subjects, or all about photography? Oh, everything. Yeah, totally random. <laughs> oh my god, mate, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said to anyone, look, if it's specialised, I won't listen to it. So if it's about gardening, or ball I won't listen or to it. Like that, you know. Yeah, but I said, um, you know, if it's just a general topic, then yeah. And I went through loads, and it's how I came across um, three of my favourite ones. Which ones are they? There, there's a bloke called um, We Live on a Planet. Right. Uh, he's in uh, the north of New York, just talks about life and um, his background. I think he's done radio for a long, long time. Um, there's another guy called The Great Everything. He's probably one of the most knowledgeable guys on the planet. He's very well spoken. Every time you listen to some to him, you learn something. And he's quite funny. And he, he's like a guy from um, working in the city, like you. Um, so he's got like a lawyer background, but he listens to rap and house. Sounds like an interesting bloke. Oh, he's, he's become yeah, quite a big big guy in the world of Anchor. 
And then the third one is one called Medicine Remixed. Okay. Right, so if you've not heard of it, I would urge you to look at that more than any other podcast. It's one of the most amazing, entertaining shows out there. It's um, basically two doctors, um, still current. I would say they're probably on the late 20s, early 30s, -hmm. and they just talk about an individual topic each week to do with uh, medicine and healthcare and psychology this sort of stuff sometimes they have guests on uh, but he does it with elements of like um, rap and hip-hop and sound effects okay. and it it is the funniest thing ever but it's serious all right i mean i'm i don't know if that's my thing mate i mean i'll check it out because you recommended it yeah but but yeah i don't want to be diagnosed while someone's doing m&m you know what i mean yeah, no, no, it's it, it's so not serious in a way, but um, like it could talk about um, suicides, but he's giving you information about it and, and studies, and they were talking really good facts about smoking and how psychology is like fifty percent guesswork, right? And you're like, you know, really, that's quite frightening. Wow, but they're so cool. I mean, I'll, I will check it out. I will check it out. Yeah, it's just something different anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. What were we here for anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think what would be useful if you can just sort of introduce yourself, tell us maybe a little bit about your background in your early life and then how it's changed to, say, modern day. Wow. Okay. And how long is this going to last for? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, I can tell you, but really it's... it's um, my interest in photography started when I was 13, 14 years old. Do you remember back, do you remember back okay. in the day? I don't know how old you are, Andrew, but, but back in the day, every household had one of those big, thick, six-inch mail-order catalogs where you could pay everything weekly. Do you remember those? Yeah. You had like the Little Woods catalog, which was massively thick. Yes. And, and yeah. you would look in there. I mean, you know, we were, I, I grew up on a, on a council yeah. estate, didn't have any money. Um, and I would look into the, these catalogs and you would see all this fantastic photographic equipment by Canon and Fuji and, and all that. And you could, you, and I'd be working out in my head, you know, can I afford 65p every week of my life for the next seven years? And, and I, 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 fell in, I fell in love with cameras first because oh, okay. I had no money and I couldn't actually take pictures, but I fell in love with cameras first. And then at school, I was very lucky to be given photography as an option. I mean, we're talking about the eighties now, when you could pick when you could pick uh, lessons to to study, and photography wow. photography was an option, and it wasn't a module of art. It was it was a proper photography lesson, and yep. um, yeah, and and um, a fantastic teacher called Mister Smalley, and wow. he would loan me out the school's camera, so I could start shooting. And it was a Praktika, one of those big old East German Praktika cameras. And uh, then eventually I managed to muscle up, uh, I think it cost 10 quid, to to buy my first camera, which was a Zenit. And it was one of those Zenits with the little Olympic symbol on. It was with the official camera of the 1980 (laughs) Moscow Olympics. And and uh, yeah, and and it had the little Olympic symbol on it, and that was my first proper camera. Yeah, really, absolutely loved that thing. It weighed. It, I mean, it was it was built like a tank. Really was built like a tank. And um, yeah, it sort of kicked on from there. Really, I went into photographic retail for many years, for fifteen years actually. Uh, 
I sold cameras and camera equipment. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and basically, I got out of that mm. just as digital was coming in. So we're talking about sort of the year 98, 99, when digital started to come out. I got I got out of the trade then, and I actually emigrated to the United States, okay. where I got involved with film and television. And then I was in the States for about 10 years, and then I moved back. And I've been, I'm still, I'm actually still in the film business now. And um, photography is, is purely a passion now. But yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much my career in photography really started at a very young oh, age, okay. 13, 14. And, and, you know, there was a gap. I didn't do any photography at all when I was living in America. Uh, and I started it up again shortly after I came back. So yeah, and here we are. So how did you get into video then? Obviously, if you, you'd only ever done photography. Yeah, I, I, I got into... When I, when I left England, um, my first job was in... Actually, was in rock radio. I joined a, a local rock radio station to work in their advertising department and did the morning show in the Cleveland, Ohio area. And that, mm-hmm. and that led me from there to work into the local TV station um which was also in the same area uh, which got me interested in sort of television advertising because this was all commercials based everything was was making commercials not actually sort of hardcore film and tv um and the but the stuff that i'd learned from photography did actually help an awful lot when it came to filming video as well there are a lot of elements that you okay. take from photography into movie as well so so um i enjoyed both disciplines but 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 the motion picture, the moving image became my living rather than photographic. Right. Fair comment. I know I was talking to someone the other day and they said how different video is. Do you find it massively different? um, So I think the biggest thing we said was the difference in light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There obviously there are there are differences, but I do think they're more subtle than that. I, I, I you know, and I'm probably going to get lots of people saying oh, I disagree with that. But I think if if you're a decent photographer, if you're a decent stills photographer, the chances are you'll probably be a pretty good director as well. Okay. Because because you've got to still got to know your exposures, you've still got to know your compositions, you've got to know, like you said, your lights. Yeah. Uh, you've got to know your angles. Um, you've got to know your lenses. Um, and you can do all of that as as a stills photographer. You can do all of that as a cinematographer. Nice. Um, so I, I think if you're good at one, the chances are you'll probably be good at the other as well. Mm-hmm. There's maybe hope for me. Yet. Oh, I I think honestly, if you've got a good eye as a photographer, there's. It doesn't become a bad eye just because the picture's moving. Yeah. I think it's trying to do that style you want. Um, so I, I've got an idea in my head how I, I want something really arty, um, probably slow frames, few seconds at a time, and I'm thinking, I don't even know where to start. Right, yeah, I mean, and I get that. And, of course, if you're including cast in that as well, you've got that, that's another complication which you don't have to worry about with photography is directing cast and dialogue and sort of elements mm. of performance that don't have anything to do with the photographic side. But I think if we're looking at aesthetics and how things can look, one can, one can very mm. much transfer over to the other, I think. 
that's how I found it anyway. And it's, you know, mm. I've made, made my living out of it for years. So it seems to work for me. Oh, that's good to hear. I do know um, a couple of local guys. They they run a, um, a video business up here in Lincolnshire. Uh, really nice guys. And one of them is sort of like predominantly the um, stills guy. Uh, I mean, he still shoots wedding. Uh, we talk about shooting um, film still. So, yeah, I, I, I would say you know, they're both capable as well. And you do you hear about it all the time, some great photographers going on to make great movies. Look at Anton Corbin, for one. Mm. One of the best ones. You know, he would, if you were a band that was worth anything back in the 90s, your album cover was taken by Anton Corbin. And he now makes some amazing motion pictures. Okay. So, you, you do you do see great stills guys make movies. Um, it's very often a step up. You don't see many sort of filmmakers going to make to take stills, but you'll, you'll very often get stills photographers that will go on to make movies. Anton Corbin is just one example, but there's an awful hmm. lot. There's an awful lot. Yeah. It, Danny Clinch. Danny Clinch makes you know he shoots music videos all the time. Okay. And he's a brilliant. He's a brilliant photographer. Amazing photographer. I mean, I've got to say, I don't know many people, to be honest, um, fame-wise. Fame I've not been in photography long, and right. I'm not educated in photography. So it's like most things I've learned is through speaking to others or I found it online. Right, um, which is which is fine. Yeah, I, I, I love it because it just means, you know, I'm never going to stop learning. And you can do it in your own time. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make my own mistakes, which I do, but... Um, I still think it's nice to um, learn good ways from other people as well. I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you can keep banging your head against a brick wall, but it's not going to go anywhere, is it? No, exactly. Of course. Yeah, I've done that lots of times. Yeah, yeah we've all been. You get so stubborn. Um, it's like, no, if I keep doing this mistake, it'll get better. No, it won't. <laughs> not always. No, no, definitely not. So photography is more just a hobby for you. Yeah. Um, is it just street you do shoot then? Yeah, I'd say probably 90% of what I shoot is street photography. Yeah. Yeah, okay. um, yeah so it's, it's clearly a passion. It's, you know, if you're going to do street photography, you're not going to make your living out of it anyway. Um, it, it's purely something yeah. I do because I love doing it. And, 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 you know, and it's one of those yeah. things that when you're making films, you're having to rely on other people. You've got a whole crew of people behind you. You've mm -hmm. got your gaffers, you've got your grips, you've got your cameraman, you've got your PAs, you've got your runners, your director, your producers. And everybody has to work as a team and, and, and there's a lot more pressure when you're making film. But when when with photography for me it's something I can do by myself and if I screw up, there's only one person to blame yeah. and that's me. Whereas if, if somebody screws up on the crew, yeah. I know who to blame. But but if it's if it's me, I just have to look at myself and go, "Ah, you screwed up there, Matt." You know. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. I think street's probably one of the most unique forms in that sense. Um, I think it'd be a very lonely thing to do if you're not into the um, asking permission side. Right, I mean, which none of mine is asking for. Well, very rarely. Yeah. You know, I, do I ask permission? I mean, to me, street photography is capturing natural behaviours, and you, you don't do that if you're asking permission. 
Yeah. Now, now, of course, people can interpret street photography however they want. That's that's not my issue at all. <laughs> you know, and they do. Obviously, they do. Um, yeah. But, but for me, it's about capturing natural behaviours in a natural habitat. Um, you know, on the street, outside. You know, that's that's what it is for me. So asking permission is is something that I wouldn't I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you never done a? I would call them street portraits. Have you ever done one then? What's that? Sorry, say again. I would call it a street portrait where you just sort of ask someone's permission, say, "Can I just take a photo of you?" Oh, I've done that. Yeah, I've done yeah, that, yeah. But, but but hardly ever. I mean, maybe two or three times. And it's one of those things where you just think, "I'm going to regret this forever if I don't get get that person." <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like because yeah. there's literally a look about them, or they're they're standing in a position, or there's a particular background, or or there's something about them that you just think, "I've just got to ask." And so then you yeah. go up and say, you know, you just say, look, you look amazing. Can I take your picture? And that's, you know, if you say that, nobody's going to say no. But it but it, it happens so rarely because, like I say, you're not getting anything natural. You're getting something posed and then you it, it becomes something else entirely then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think looking at your work, it, there's almost like a very raw look to it. it it's literally... You, like we're looking straight out of your lens, I think. Well, thanks. And I think that's very... I don't think you get any more street. I mean, obviously, I've listened to your um, podcast, but I would say you're obviously shooting very wide, even without even listening to your podcast. Yeah, I mean, I do. My favourite lenses are all wide lenses. Um, you know, the, the Samuel yeah. 12 is what I use an awful lot. I, 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 I've never even not for a long time have I gone even up to a standard lens, up to a 50 mil. It's always, it's always a 35 or wider. Okay. Um, and it's, and it's normally sort of like between a 12 and 35 It's it's between there. It depends from day to day. It's different. Um, but yeah, by and large, I like to yeah. shoot wide because I like to shoot close and, um, that's the best way of doing it. I, I yeah. like to get in really, really close and, and become, you know, become part of the picture, basically getting close and snap and get out of the way again. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. Um, I can't remember which famous photographer, but they've always said in it, the, the closer the better. Um, that was Kappa. That oh, was it was Kappa, Kappa, that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 do, I do pretty much live by that. I do pretty much live by that. I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. You can, you can really get to tell a story. You could get to see an emotion. Um, I think the, the closer the better. This worked for me. It's absolutely worked for me takes a lot of practice have you it does yeah it's a lot um have you shot in other places then so quieter ones than london yeah i've i've I've, um i like to travel and um so wherever i end up traveling i'll try and do something approaching street photography wherever i am at um the last place i went to was uh was morocco which is actually a street photographer's paris it's amazing um you've got to be a bit careful Hmm. but it is it's a really fun place to shoot street Prior to that, I went to Malaysia, went to Kuala Lumpur, which is another great place for street photography. Pretty much everywhere you go, there's going to be a city or a place which is going to be appealing to a street photographer. Um, as far as England is concerned, okay. I mean, there are good places to shoot street. Cambridge is a great place to shoot street. Edinburgh, um, Oxford, and, and places like that, you know, Birmingham, Manchester, these are good places for street. But honestly, honestly, I, I do think London yeah. is for me it's the best place i've ever shot 
it's an, it's an incredible city to see street photography. Okay. The, the variety is, is there, and I've, I've never seen that in any other place. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only other one is the classic, which everyone would say is probably New York. Yeah, New York and Paris are fabulous. I've never shot street in either. No, and I'm not, uh, which is weird because I've been to both many times, um, just not with the street photography in mind. Paris is probably something I do need to try because I see so many beautiful shots in Paris. Mm. But, but even then, I think what makes London so special is the textures you get there um, are unique to London, and and I think that really helps with street photography. So yeah. even when the weather it look is terrible you still get some really interesting pictures. Mm. I, I think you're right. I think the variety side is not just the people, but it's what I call street furniture. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the building. Um, it's all the, yeah. the textures that are behind the people are almost important as the people themselves. And um, it, it give, it, like I said, it gives that a, a uniqueness. You can, you can tell a picture that's been taken in London straight away. Um, Whereas sometimes with some European cities, you, you, you don't know which one's which, but you look at a London picture, you know straight away it's London. Yeah, I think that's something I really notice. Um, living in Lincolnshire, it's really tough because Lincoln's such an old city that there's one or two new buildings, but you know, we don't have subways. Um, we don't have that variety. We, we haven't really got a lot of buses. So for me, I find it quite difficult with the variety side. And sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to go out again because it, it's basically yeah, I the know same. What, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, I, th- th- there's not very many places because I don't actually live in London. I live about 15 miles north of it in a little village. I, I would never dream of shooting in my little okay. village. It's, it's, it just doesn't do anything for yeah. me. And even there's, there's, I'm surrounded by new towns. They don't do anything for me. Um, but so I know what I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have actually been to Lincoln, and yet my 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 grandparents um, okay. were also from the Boston area. So and, and and Boston actually could be a really good place to street right. shoot. There is some really interesting characters in that town. Um, you know, for good or bad. But I, mm. I always remember, I always remember Boston being super interesting when it came to mm. people watching. Okay, I'll bear that in mind. Yeah. You let, me know. you let me know and we'll meet up in Boston. I've been there for years, but I reckon that'll be a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been there either, so... Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do I do like cities. I know I went once to Leeds with, with some mates just to hang out. Um, not, not sort of photography in mind, but I just took my camera. And oh, as soon as I got there, I was running across the road to try and take a picture of a woman on a bus and... I was like, oh, God, this is amazing. I did a bit of architecture. Mm-hmm. But all whilst I'm still stood there chatting with my mates, and it's like, oh, God. So I've got a bit of the buzz now for it. So do you think you'll go back there by yourself this time? Um, either myself or a mate. There's, uh, I've got a mate who lives sort of um, Burton on Trent, Stoke-on-Trent way. Okay. And we tend to now go to different cities around the area. And we either do a bit of street or architecture because we've both got similar interests. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's, and he's a film shooter as well. Oh, okay. So, um, 
so we've got a good lot of passion and he could probably do models there and portraiture um so he i mean his work's very what do you call it it's not abstract it's um it's got a strange look to his portraiture it won't just be a, a standard i'm really pretty he uses lights in strange ways it's very, it's very arty okay mm. um, so it just shows he can be very different <laughs> yeah which yeah. is nice well, well, if we were all the same yeah exactly yeah it's just nice that um, you can get on with someone we can meet up um, and you can talk about the same stuff which is always quite hard on your day to day job yeah yeah I agree I agree I don't I don't have that luxury actually I, I'm, I'm pretty much the only person I know that does street photography so um, you know it's, mm. a, it's, it's a more lonely pursuit but to be honest with you like I said because of my day job involves working with teams of people all the time i actually like the solitude of just walking around getting into a little <laughs> getting into a little zone you know what i mean you've, you've probably experienced yep. it yourself when you're in that little zone it's actually really good fun and you find yourself getting pictures that you wouldn't normally get and i love that yeah yeah definitely and what i've always loved is weather changes and seasonal yeah. changes because yeah. your, your work just changes at, just like it, it does and you're right and we were very lucky with this winter just gone because we had a lot of snow which we haven't had for a while and, yeah. and honestly the west end of london when it snows looks incredible i mean it really <laughs> does it looks like it looks like you're, if you shoot in black and white when it's snowing on regent street you could be you, it could be 1947 mm. looks absolutely it looks absolutely okay. fantastic so that fierce winter that beast from the east that we had earlier in the year uh, was brilliant to shoot. Yeah. I was out there every single day shooting like crazy. It was awesome. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, I think you you're right. You've got to take advantage while you can. People like yeah. us, we, we you know we had no out. The you know the police were telling you not to even go outside and drive. There was no public transport. The all the hills were shut off. So. Um, to get to work, you you had to take massive detours. Yeah, so it's it yeah. just incredible. It was, and the thing is, it works the other way around as well. I mean, we've had a really, really beautiful hot summer, and, yeah. and we've had I've seen light this summer, which I've never had to work with before. You know, right, because okay. you know, you the the, the the all the fields were brown, everything was brown, the whole country was brown, because yeah. you know it, it was everything had dried up, and it did. It looked. I took a picture of. Um, uh, on a on a train looking into another train carriage and it looked like it could have been mm -hmm. in west texas it was that kind of light oh, that God. kind of heat and haze that was completely not english and 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 that's i mm -hmm. love this summer as a result of that all that beautiful light all the time all those beautiful blue hours in the morning and blue hours in the evening absolutely if you're a photographer you would have had a ball this year you know yeah. fantastic it's been great well we probably won't get those weather conditions for a while so yeah i was glad to be out there in it taking pictures it's great no that's good well one of the things i wanted to ask you was um obviously being street photographer has your views changed on privacy recently my views mm. um or shooting or anything like that has, has no, anything changed? no no not at all not at all okay 
if it, it, look if if it's I mean obviously you know that there, there have been changes in the law. Um, I you know I don't think it necessarily applies to public places. I don't think it, it applies really to to what I shoot. Um, so I've not changed anything. I've not changed anything. It's it's um, no. And I I you know I know that there are places in Europe where they really sort of look down on street photography. And thank God London is not like that. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. you can get into a lot of trouble in some cities in Germany. You can get into trouble in some in, in France. I think Paris, they look down on it now as well, which is which is really heartbreaking when you think of you know, Paris. Um, but but London is still pretty open to me and I've not changed anything, um, not changed the way I shoot. Uh, now, you know, as far as, you know, no, other aspects of, of things like business, you have to be more careful. Um, but when it comes to capturing... Yeah people in a public space it's a public space see me you know mm. yeah I, I just feel like it's I don't know if it was marketing companies or these sorts of people who just grabbed hold of this and have just made it into a beast well I mean I, t- to be honest I mean I, I I can't speak for everybody and how 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 these new rulings take was it GPDS or GPRS or something like that I can't remember what it's mm. called um but as far as I'm aware because obviously I'm working a business where I contact other businesses um even even as far as that's concerned there's it's not really changed the way I do business either with these new rulings um, yeah. I think it just kind of protects the more vulnerable people you, yeah. you know if if, if you know, I, I don't want to be, I make film, which means if somebody wants to contact me about making film or supplying me with goods that will help me with that, I, that's, that's, that's no problem. But if somebody was bombarding me with cheap pizzas, that's the stuff that stopped now. Mm. You know, yeah. as far as street photography is concerned, I don't think anything has changed. And certainly if you were to walk around the streets of London, I'm not the only person to think that. You yeah, know, cool. I mean, it's, nothing has changed. And, you know, street photography is street photography. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I don't, I, I've not changed anything. No, that's cool. So do you see other street photographers then when you're out and about? All the time, especially, oh, week, okay. especially weekends. Yeah. Especially weekends. So um, I literally see no one. Oh, London! London is 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 crazy. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. You you can't. You know, you're walking into them all the time, and um, right. you know they they're normally they're normally um, shooting with a Fuji X100F. You know, nine out of ten of them have got Fuji cameras, me included. I shoot Fuji as well. Um, yeah. But but they've, they've all got you know, and then you'll get one kind of you know sort of. 50 60 year old guy who's, who's walking around with a honking great eos 5d and a bunch of l lenses and doing street photography and you think oh, oh god oh, mate god. seriously um, <laughs> is that the one you want to go the up one and slap? Say, look what are you doing mate you should have bought the car not the camera yeah. you know it, yeah. it's 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 I, I don't get it i honestly street photography with a dslr and an l lens you know, why would you want to be? You wouldn't carry three bags of sugar around with you on the street. Why? Ridiculous. No, I mean, I I can't say about weight because my camera's pretty heavy. Um, so I, I often shoot with my Bronica. Oh, what on the street? Yeah. Mate, 
Yeah, I'm pretty fussed with that as well. Um, my, my mate laughs at me. He said, beautiful camera, gorgeous camera. I remember those very well. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. Oh, yeah, I love the Bronies. Which is an ETRS, is it? ETRS, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll link you to some photos. But, yeah, I've done uh, my first role I shot film. Um, street photography. Nice one, mate. I mean, you've got, yeah. you're honestly, you've got my respect. Seriously. I, I used to have up until very recently, actually, I used to have a Pentax 67. Oh, See, now that, that, that camera is about the size of my toilet. They are massive. Uh, massive. And it had the cost of fuck. Yeah, it was beautiful and I loved it. But honestly, it, it, it weighs about the same as me. And and, yeah. and I use it once. And funnily enough, actually, I did try and take it on the streets. It was hilarious because it's it's obviously not a street camera. Um, but I really mm. loved it, but it was just so big and heavy and cumbersome. And you know, it's it's I, I got rid of it very recently, actually. But a beautiful camera. But if you're lugging around an ETRS doing street, you you mm. have my undying respect, sir. <laughs> well, I usually take that and another as well. So sometimes I take two film cameras. So. Um, most of the time, I shoot street um, film now. I, I I do maybe two rolls a year, if that. Now. Okay, so that's my mission then is to get you shooting film. Well, the thing is, that it's <laughs> not that I don't. I I used to. I love film. Yeah. But the the thing is, and again, this is going to get loads of flack. <laughs> but, with, but with but with most modern day sensors, I could duplicate the look of film. Yeah. And and particularly like those, you know, there are some sensors like those early Fuji sensors that they put in the X Pro One and the XE One. Those original X Trans sensors are, are incredibly flexible and malleable to look like film, especially black and white. Uh, okay. And and I honestly, I, I you know, like most people in modern society, I like instant results, and digital gives yeah. me that. What film gives me is not so much an aesthetic, because like I said, I can duplicate that. Um, what film yeah. gives me is, is, is it, it kind of gets me back into a zone where composition is everything and, yes. and yeah. you, you know, getting your exposure right, getting your framing right and realizing that the limitations of film, that is a really good experience. That is why I would shoot film every once in a while, just to remind me what it was like and just to focus more on, you know, the proper exposure triangle and getting everything right in camera as much as I can. That's that's that to me is the advantage mm. of film photography. It's not so much the result; it's the effect mm. that it has on me while I'm shooting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, to be honest, I, I think psychology um, is a probably my biggest in photography. Um, how I'm feeling at the time normally right. donate, uh, denotes what I'm going right. to shoot, maybe what camera I'm going to take, and my attitude. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand. The thing, the thing is, I must have about twelve film cameras in my house. <laughs> right, you got more than me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love film cameras because obviously I remember when in my younger days I was selling those. Yeah. And I remember when I used to sell them, just how beautiful they were and how I couldn't afford them. You know, back when I was selling Minox cameras, they were seven, eight hundred quid a go. Now you can, you can um, go on eBay now and pick them up for forty quid. Jesus. You know, and they were like they were the dog's bollocks then. Um, yeah, excuse me for swearing. Um, but but they were the Minox <laughs> cameras were absolutely amazing, and they were really expensive. And you can pick them up for cheap as chips now. Um, you know, Nikon. You can pick up a a, a Nikon F three. Yeah. 
which was which was like sixteen hundred yeah. quid when it was new, and you can pick them, you can pick them up for one hundred and fifty mm. quid now. Olympus OM4, one of the greatest cameras of all time, oh, seventy yeah. quid now on eBay. And those were amazing mm. cameras. They were my they were my dream camera when I was working in retail for fifteen years. The, Olymp- the Olympus OM4 yeah. Ti was my dream camera. If I could, if I could have any camera, the OM4 <laughs> Ti was just amazing. And you can pick them up as cheap as chips on eBay now. Mm. So I do have a collection of film cameras that I criminally hardly ever use. Well, how about if we meet up in Boston, we shoot film then? Yeah, all right. I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm down with that. I'll bring some uh, HP5. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than game for that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um... We briefly discussed Instagram. Now, now you can share your work globally. The one downside is um, not understanding because of language or cultural differences. And someone put on one of your posts, uh, one of your comment on one of your pictures. The photo is sin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's a one big issue. Now we are a worldwide community. How do we get past that? I mean, the thing is, you just got to ask for clarity, haven't you? I mean, yeah. You know, the thing is, there are there are always going to be cultural differences. Um, you know, I mean, you know, in in America, for example, they'll say, "Oh, that photo is sick." Now we know, we know, we, we, yeah, and dope, and we know that that obviously means really good. Um, so I had to. Yeah. I, I remember that guy making that, and he was Russian, <laughs> and and. Um, and I, right, I yeah. said to him, I said, is that good or bad? I mean, I, I, I don't know. And he goes, oh, that's really good. That's really good. I think, well, thank you very much then. If he had said, if he said, this is crap, I would have <laughs> just kicked him off. But, 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 you know, I, yeah. you know, you just, you've got to ask for clarity. You can't assume that you're going to know what, you know, there are cultural differences. I, you know, I get it all the time, to be honest with you. I get people saying, what does this mean? What is that? What is the relevance to that? And like, you know, sometimes I post a picture of a hen party. Which of course in America is mm-hmm. a bachelorette party. So, so I get I get it as oh, well. You okay. know that you know it's it's you know we call autumn they call fall we call pavement they call sidewalk. There are always mm. going to be cultural differences. Sometimes you can assume what they are and you're probably going to be right. Sometimes you just got to ask for clarity. You know, you know it's 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 you know yeah. You, you can't. There's no easy answer to that. You've just got to be upfront and say, "What do you mean by that?" Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is we only do that. I think on Instagram. Would you suddenly befriend someone on Facebook, make a comment, and then think, "Well, oh, they've said my photo is sin. That's a terrible thing." Do you think you would have the same opinion? I'd, I'd like to think I would. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to think I would. If I don't, if I don't understand something, I'm pretty mm. upfront and saying, please explain that. Yeah. Rather than assuming, because then otherwise you could think, is this person a dick or is this person really cool? Yeah. And you, you presume because they want to be friends with me that they must be kind of cool. You know, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. want to be a friend with someone and then just troll them. You know what I mean? I know it happens. That probably happens more, more mm. on Instagram than it does on Facebook. But, but it, you know, I would assume that they were 
being friendly if they wanted to make a connection. But you, know, you just have to ask, you know. That's the that's the joy yeah. of the internet, isn't it? The great unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's opened up um, the world for all of us, hasn't it? I mean, like you say, the fact you can talk to someone anywhere in the world. Um, you know, my last podcast was with um, Paul from right. L.A., uh, and that's amazing. So he's the guy I was talking about film and video because he's uh, directed um, right. short films and and he's done still photography for a long, long time. And I just thought it's amazing. You know, um, I, I've been to some of the locations he's talked about, and you know, he's all that way over there. Um, but we, you know, we've got this mutual thing. Um, and I learned a lot of him, you know, he's told me a lot about the Likers, and I'm personally not into technology, I would say I'm totally device agnostic, um, cameras do not interest me, but um, photography does. Right, right, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50, I've got to be honest with you, I'm 50% total gearhead. <laughs> I, I don't know many people who are like me, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's, look, I, I, I see nothing wrong with either way, to be honest. No, I'm the same. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, if you're it's like somebody who loves cars, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, you know, people have their things. Certain things rock their boat. I just happen to think that cameras are beautiful objects. I think they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you know, <laughs> old cameras are beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? They just they 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 complement my life. They're they're beautiful little creative tools with a gorgeous bit of glass on the front, and then what's not to love? And, and, you know, but then yeah. the act of taking pictures, street photography especially, where you can just go out, walk the streets for hours and shoot. That's brilliant as well, you know, to be able to, to love what you've got. Mm. I'm not one of those people, though, that, that says, you know, oh, well, cameras are tall and that sort of stuff. I, I really, I don't subscribe to mm -hmm. that at all. Cameras are my babies. You, you, you scratch my camera, uh, okay. going down. You know, I, I don't, they're not yeah. tools to me. I mean, yes, I use them every day and I, I you know, I, I, I demand a lot from them. But that to me, they're not tools. They're, they're absolute. They're mm -hmm. like little jewels. And, and I will do my best to keep them beautiful for as long as I can. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Yeah, because not everyone says that. Um, I think I hear a lot of people who sort of don't tell the truth, um, say the, the like cameras and stuff but they are their jewels like you're saying yeah it's it's you know it's it's yeah. be honest yeah just be honest about it you know there's nothing mm. wrong with it there really isn't anything wrong with it you know i'm not a pro so the, mm. the cam when i buy a camera it's going to be a camera that's a luxury item it's not a, a, a piece of equipment that i'm making money out of and therefore i want to i do want to take care of it it looks beautiful if i got this gorgeous fuji x pro 2 which is the sexiest digital camera around and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. I want that to look as sexy and as beautiful for as long as possible. I don't want scratches yeah. and dings and dents on it. It's my baby. I spent a fortune on it. So, no, it's not at all. It's my <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no wrong with it. I'm just laughing. So I'm just looking at an X-Pro 2. Isn't it? Um, isn't it beautiful? It, to be honest, it just looks like my... Um... Olympus. I better not show you my Olympus. What is your Olympus? Um, it's scratched. 
well, broken bits. You know, yeah, um, but you see, the thing is that does bring character to it. Now, your Olympus is probably also about 30, 40 years old, isn't it? No, I've got a mirrorless as well. Oh, really? Oh, which yeah. one have you got? Uh, I've got the bottom of the range, uh, first gen, uh, EM10. See, I, the EM10's a nice little camera, actually. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, you, mate, you need to take care of it better. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's probably my worst... Um, what's the word? Um, it's I just can't keep... I can't look after certain things. Okay. Yeah, I'm just really bad with certain things. I don't care for them enough. And... Um, I've realised, like, using that camera a lot, I probably haven't cared for it well enough. Right. And I think some of that's come down to I can never decide whether to shoot film or digital, so I put both in my bag, right. and it's not the biggest bag, so they bang against each other a bit, and obviously it doesn't matter to the film camera. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's a shame, but I do like the M10s. They're very snappy, aren't they? But yeah, um, I fell in love with Matthias um, Mate- uh, Lusard, um, his work when I first started into right. photography. He's probably one of the best top ten street photographers right. in the world. He, he uh, that's amazing photos, and he works in IT um, full time, and he just travels the world in his spare time. And he he bought one of them. And I started looking at him and I thought, well, that looks like a film camera. Right. That's exactly what I want. So it just sort of, I think, I think once I've got my mind set on um, a certain look, uh, then just wait for it to come up cheap or whatever somewhere. You want to have a look at um, uh, Dougie Wallace. He shoots Olympus as well. Okay. <clears throat> and he's a he's a fantastic photographer, absolutely amazing photographer. And he has, um, I think it might even be an EM10 he shoots with. Okay. Um, but he he has a flash gun on top of his camera and below his camera. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy is mental. Dougie Wallace, he, he actually shoots a lot around London, um, around Harrods. He likes to take pictures of very rich people. Oh, yeah. And uh, fascinating guy. Scottish guy, he's a Glaswegian. Oh, um, yeah. And his name is Dougie Wallace, and he shoots with Olympus, and he's brilliant. Um, he's okay. really, really good. He's he's done a subject. He's done a project recently on dogs uh, in India, which was hilarious. And he's mm. he's also he goes to Blackpool and takes pictures of hen parties and stag parties in Blackpool, and they're, ab- oh. they're absolutely hilarious. I'm surprised he hasn't got his head kicked in, to be honest with you. This, the sort of stuff <laughs> he does would put Bruce Gilden to shame, honestly. And oh, uh, wow. you need to check him out because he's an Olympus user as well. And he's fantastic. I love his work. Absolutely love his work. I'm just looking at his site. Yeah, some fantastic images. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. Gets up he's close. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, he's, he, and he's, um, he was mentored, mentored by Martin Parr, the Magnum guy. Oh, and okay. um, works a lot with him. But I love Dougie Wallace. He's, he's uh, an incredible photographer and mm. uh, you know if, if you're into that sort of thing i mean he's an he's an aggressive confrontational photographer I, I personally like looking at those pictures and he's he's right up there for me i think he's uh i think he's a good 
solid balls out street guy, and I think um, yeah, I, I, I like his work. Yeah, he must be shooting really wide on these shots. Yeah, I, I can't remember what lens he shoots with. I think he shoots with a few lenses actually, depending where he is. Um, but but um, I know it's Olympus, and yeah, like I said, he uses two flash guns, one on the top, one on the top, and one on the bottom. There is a film. There is a film, and if I find it, I'll send it to you. But it's on it's on YouTube, mm. and it actually shows the process of him setting his camera up. Because he breaks his stuff all the time, and he's always buying new flash guns and always buying new cameras. Really mistreats his gear, and um, it shows you his setup and how he uses his camera. But I was fascinated by that. Fascinated by it. That's what you mm. call flash photography. Definitely, yeah. Some fantastic images there. Yeah, yeah. The guy's brilliant. It's it's he's really good. He's got some great books around too. Um, and uh, I believe he still lives in London, but uh, he shoots all over. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Dougie Wallace is, is right up there. I think he's fantastic. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I've got an OM10 actually as well. So yeah, I'm an Olympus man, but you know, no reason. It's the first thing about, so that's what I've stuck with. I love mate, all, all my, all my um, legacy lenses for my Fuji that I put on my Fuji, I always shoot with Olympus lenses. Oh, okay. those, those, oh, I love Olympus lenses from my days in retail. Hmm. Those, those old Zyco lenses have a character that is all their own, and um, hmm. I, I use them on my Fuji cameras all the time. Okay, so you do you have to shoot manual then? Um, I shoot aperture priority on manual, depending what camera I'm using. If, if I'm using yeah. my Fuji, I'll shoot in aperture priority uh, with, with zone focus normally if I'm using the Olympus glass. Um, I've also yeah. recently, more recently, acquired a Sony RX1R, which is a full-frame compact, um, which has yeah. got the most beautiful lens I've ever shot with. It's not interchangeable. It's a fixed lens. Um, but it's it's incredible quality, but it's an absolute ball ache to use. It's horrible to use. But I, persi but I persist with yeah. it because the results are so good. So good. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, if it, if it gets it right, it's absolutely gorgeous. But But the... Fuji is my yeah. ultimate system. I love the Fuji. It's, it, it's funny um, talking about the Fujis because uh, you saying so many in London with them. Um, Bob's got a Facebook group as well for the magazine. And yeah, yeah I'm I, did, on it. did you see the? Um, someone put a question up, maybe a month or two back. What do you shoot with? So everyone literally put Fuji, 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 and I'm like, yeah, and it was nearly all. It was it was XT twenties or it was. I couldn't believe it. So you probably, if you notice, if you look back, you'll see I'm the only one who put film camera yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and fair dues, mate, fair dues. But but you know, yeah. it, if you were to walk, if you were to walk from one end of Brick Lane to the other on a Saturday afternoon, you'll see probably twenty X one hundreds. Okay, X100s, because I literally know nothing about Fuji's. Right. Uh, like I said, because I don't, didn't, wasn't really into technology. I, I know a little bit now about Nikon's, Canon's. X100, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that looks like a traditional I think that's why camera. a lot of people buy them, is because they do look like a traditional little rangefindery type camera. Uh, yeah, and, and I do. And they're, they're yeah, the quality is absolutely superb. The, the truth is that... You, for the last eight, ten years, there's been no such thing as a bad camera. So it's it's all down no. to how it handles and how it behaves shooting what you like to shoot. 
you know, it, you yeah. won't get a bad picture anymore. You just won't. And that's great, really. You can pretty much buy any camera, spend a couple of hundred quid and get a really decent camera that's going to get you beautiful pictures. Yeah, and the focusing, I mean, I, I noticed as soon as I got mirrors just in the street, you're just like, you don't even have to pay attention. It's just it's ridiculous how yeah, you yeah, can I mean, just get a shot. You barely have to think about it now, which, what, which is what kind of, yeah. you know, kind of affects street photography quite a bit because it's... As you're aware, there's an awful lot of crap out yeah. there when it comes to street photography. You really have to... You, well, you know, it's awful. There's yeah. a lot of really awful street photography out there, but we all have to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's something I'm quite aware of when I post work and I look back, I think, oh, that was actually quite a rubbish shot and I don't even know why I took it and I think, oh, I've got to do better and then get to a point where I think actually everything's crap and you just get so self-critical. Um, That's not a bad place to be, though. No, it isn't, no. So, it's better to be that yeah, way. It, yeah, I, I think it is. Otherwise, you'll just literally just be always be posting stuff that's substandard. I think it's you have to become your, your, your own worst critic, really. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Um, I mean, it took me years to take good pictures. Years. Yeah. You know, and I don't mind admitting it. Honestly, but there there is that moment where your quality control filter kicks in. Yeah. And once that happens, you can then roll with it. And that's a really good moment when that happens. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it just can take years. Um, it's still quite early for me, so Yeah, yeah, I mean it can it can take it took me I don't know, I was I was I was walking around shooting people's backs for about four years. Okay. You know, and, and I knew it was crap. And I, and I, you know, because, you know, you can make the connection. If you, if you, if you have a book by Henry Cartier-Bresson and, mm. you, and you look at it and you compare it to your pictures, you know you're failing. Yeah. You know, you are. That's the thing. You look at your, your pictures and you look at Vivian Myers. You look at your pictures and you look at Gary Winogrand's or Elliot, or mm -hmm. Elliot Irwitt. You know you're failing. Yeah. You know you're failing. You, but you need to keep doing that. Otherwise, you, otherwise yeah. you will just always just take pictures of crap eventually there'll be that little thing that will click and you'll go, you know what, I can do this now. And then you can shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And I've been doing that for about three or four years, but there was years of failure before that. Years. Yeah. I, I find um, usually if I'm a little bit fed up, I'll go shoot um, architecture, um, which is like another... Uh, I don't know, it must be some sort of passion in me that I've never thought about. Um, but I do like the shapes and lines. And then, for me, you can actually yeah, combine that with street yeah. anyway. Because um, that's obviously where really talent comes in. And, you know, I'm a long, long way off that. So, um, but yeah. Or we'll maybe go out and shoot in a, a little bit of portraiture, some models, and then the odd time I'll go help a friend at a wedding and like last weekend I did a wedding by myself which was the scariest thing I'd ever done yeah mate you've got you've got bigger stones than I have I, there's no way on earth I would shoot a wedding mm. well I, I, there's no way no way well the, the reason I did it, it was a friend who said I think you ought to shoot my sister's wedding and she says, oh, I only need someone for like an hour. I don't, I don't need a uh, to pay professional sort of standard. And 
I was like, oh, that, that, that's fine. I, I, I'll, I'll help you out then. And um, it turned out I did about four hours. And the biggest thing was, I, I said, I, I am shooting film. So I turned up the intention of shooting digital, medium, and 35mm. And then, God, it was difficult. I just really struggled. I think I put too much stress on myself. You, you, you did for your first wedding to shoot three formats on yeah. your first wedding. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anyone would do who would do that after they've been shooting weddings for twenty years. Yeah, well, I had to use flash as well, so I had to guess. Mate, I'm you, well, I, I hope you got. I hope that was a good paycheck for you at the end of that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad because it was like you said you only wanted me for an hour, and then it was like, oh yeah, but they want some, um, they want some pictures doing there, so they'd ask for the. Um, group pictures to be done and it was oh god what wow. time was it six no seven o'clock and it was dark as anything and i was like oh i'm gonna do this oh, flash stopped working now so <laughs> i had to use a tripod and take like one second shot and i was like oh god please don't move please don't move Mate, nice i just showed them pictures like, is that right I was like, God. But, yeah, <laughs> anyway, we digress. <laughs> so, why Fujifilm then, or Fujifilm, uh, Fuji? Um, I, I'll i be honest with you, with the Fuji films, I mean, I've only ever used, up until like the last few months when I picked up this little Sony, hmm. I've only ever shot with Fujifilm cameras. Okay. <clears throat> and the, the simple reason, honestly, is that, that I had never shot digital until that point um and i just wanted something that was that looked good and the fujis look beautiful to do yeah yeah and and the fact that they take excellent pictures is brilliant but honestly when when i i, I saw my first fuji which was actually one called an x10 which is a, a little compact one actually it's not a very big censored camera i just thought it looked okay. i just thought it looked beautiful and i think to me that's part of the that's part of the the special thing about cameras and photography is is you know to love the camera and to think oh that's great I'm gonna you want to use it every day if you think a camera looks great yeah. then then you think I want to use it every day and that's the great thing about Fujis is they're very sexy cameras they're very well made they're mm-hmm. beautifully designed they have wonderful user interfaces they're intuitive to use and they look fantastic they also take brilliant pictures but for me yeah but mm-hmm. for me okay. initially. It was all about the looks. They look fantastic, and 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 once I got my first Fuji, I then just stuck with Fuji, and that's pretty much what I use now. It's, it's the X series. So did did you look at reviews then before you bought them, or did you go to shop and hold them? Um, what, what was I, the thing really? Honestly, and I feel embarrassed to say this because I made I no research into it at all. <laughs> do you, do, there's a there's a magazine that they hand out free in London. Um, on a Wednesday night, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's one of those free magazines that they give you at the tube station, and um, it's like a Time Out type magazine. Oh. And they had a little art, they had a little article on it about the Fuji okay. X10, and I remember looking at it, and this would have been 2011, and I, I remember looking at it and going, "Oh, that's beautiful! That I want that. I want to start taking pictures again," because it had been years since I started been been taking pictures. And I thought that's what I want, and I went out and bought it. And it was only about, well, I say only, it's about five hundred quid, and and then that's it. I was smitten then, and I know I never did any mm-hmm. research at all on buying my first digital camera. I went 
I went purely on looks. And thank God I chose wisely because it was a great little camera, that X10. Fantastic. Yeah, you did. Yeah, because, I mean, there have not been bad ones, but you could have certainly have bought something not as pretty or maybe not as um, good sort of thing. Or, or, or that just didn't suit my style of photography. Yeah. You know, because there was even then there was, you know, there, like I said, there is no real such thing as a bad camera, and there wasn't then either. Yeah. But but you have to get something that is is you can that has usability and you know form and function, and the X10 just fitted me perfectly for everything I wanted to shoot at that time. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I know. I think I know two guys who've got Fujis, but that's about it, really. So it was quite interesting getting in this group and then everyone saying, yeah, we use this for street. And it's like, hmm, that is very interesting. I think they're great. I think they're great. I think they, they, have, their, they have their quirks. Certainly the early Fujis do have a lot of quirks. Um, they're quite clunky to use. But the, the, the X-Pro2, which is what I use mostly now, is the, is the best camera I have ever owned. Period. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it, and um, it's fast, it's responsive, it's the image quality is fantastic. It does everything I want a camera to do, and um, and I can put all my old Olympus glass on it. Great, fantastic. Yeah, that's the best thing about because it? it's mirrorless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best thing. That is, you're right. That that is the best thing. Yeah, that is the best thing about mirrorless cameras is putting any optic you want on the front of it. Yeah, I think also quite a lot of people have said, you know, thanks a lot, um, mirrorless cameras. You've just increased the price of all old lenses now. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, that that has been the downside. That it has, yeah, for yeah, film yeah. users. It can't go cheap now. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. Yeah, it's 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 the old manual glass is is way more expensive than it should be. In, in fact, to be honest with you, you and I are quite lucky. The the actual Olympus OM glass is actually the cheapest of the bunch I've found. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I think that's what I think that's what draws me in and makes me want to stay with it, yeah, you say. Yeah. But you know, we I'm a I'm a bigger sucker as everybody else. I remember watching a a, a Don McCullen film. Um and he was yeah. doing, walking around the streets of Whitechapel and he had an Olympus camera. I think it was an OM2, and on the front of it, he had this very unusual lens called a, it was a 28 to 48 press lens. Very, very weird little mm. lens. And I thought, oh, I've got to have that. And I saw it on eBay for like 25 quid. And then ever since then, I'm sure a lot of people have watched that Don McCullen film because that lens is now about 150 quid. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so so yeah, it's certainly people have influenced uh, the prices of, of manual film, manual uh, lenses. Yeah, so maybe what we should do is talk about a really bad lens, and then everyone could go out and buy it, yeah. <laughs> and just just see if we could set a trend off. I just, oh, in which case, I just say, look, hey, just buy a Holger lens. <laughs> you know, you'll be fine with that. That's, if that's what you want, if, if you want low, oh, if you want low God. just put a bloody yeah, pinhole on it or something. Jesus, holders, yeah, the amount because obviously I listen to a lot of um, analog podcasts as well. And I just think, look, I, I don't ever see myself buying that. Just 
I think I'd rather make one out of a cardboard box. You know, myself. I just, I just, I won't spend money on stuff like that. I don't get into photography to take yeah. crap pictures. I just don't. Yeah, you know, I'm if, if it's a crap picture, I want to blame myself for it, not the glass. And and you, you know yeah, what I mean. And yeah. It's the same with Polaroid. I can't make a connection with Polaroid because it's crap. <laughs> you know, the pack the pack yeah. films are really mm-hmm. nice. You know, those huge ten by eights and, and things. The pack film is great. But those instant ones yeah. where you do, you know, the, the old SX-70s and the 600s and, and all that, they're yeah. absolutely crap. And I don't know why people would ever want to use them. And it's the same thing, it's the same thing with Holger lenses. Yeah. Just screw it up in Lightroom if that's what you want to do. You know, just, just you know, I don't, mm. I don't like, lo-fi has made no sense to me ever. <laughs> Just shut your eyes. Yeah, and then come back and see what happens. No, I'm I'm fine, thanks. I, I you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just don't, I just don't get it. I, I don't get this whole lo-fi lamography thing. I just don't, I don't understand it. I I don't. Because I think um, like the film industry, we've got to do it. Um, we've got to show interest, otherwise it's gonna go. Um, but I mean, it is coming back, which is great. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll ever go now. No, I, I think that, I think there's enough uh, of a movement, and I think the, the latest generation of students coming in are going to help. But what we've got to do is get film back in universities and colleges. What I, I I think more importantly than that, I think what we've got to do is stop making new film cameras again. Because oh god, yeah. Because these these cameras are getting older and older and older, and there's only so many yep. Pentax K one thousands to go around. And I, exactly, you know, and yeah. I think I think somebody needs to go. You know what? There is a market for a manual SLR for two for two hundred yeah. quid, and there is there is a market. There you is. Know, there yep. is a market for a hundred pound compact camera that takes thirty five mil film. Somebody yep. needs to go. You know what? We're going to do that. We're going to make those cameras because, you know, when you're looking at, for example, your Olympus OM10, that came out in that came out in eighty two. Mm. You know, they, yeah. they, they don't have an infinite life. So, so... Definitely not. No, I, I can't wait. Um, there's a couple of um, people on Kickstarter. Uh, so there, there is a bit of a movement uh, for a 35 mil. Um, there's a bit of movement on large format as well at the minute. Yeah, yeah I've seen that as well. And, and fair enough, yeah. I, I wish them well on Kickstarter. Yeah. I do, but I think what would be an enormous boost to everybody if, if Nikon or Canon just said, you know what, here's a two hundred pound camera of thirty five mil yeah. and, 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 and and people would buy it. Oh god. I mean, surely they can afford to make it because if you think uh, say bottom of range Nikon and Canon are probably about three three hundred, three fifty with a kit lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would So you take away the electronics and put in um, just a blank space to hold a film roll and stick your 50mm kit lens, surely they can still do that? Well, I don't know. You know. The answer is probably not, actually, because the tech would have to be changed. They still need to clear a whole factory. To, yeah. Because they wouldn't need the circuitry anymore. They wouldn't need the sensors anymore. They'd be putting mechanical gears in where there used to be circuits. So that's still, that's still a big yeah. job. What they should do, what they should do, yeah, is just yeah. go to a, set up a cheap Chinese factory, and just basically give them the parts and 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 make it 
fit the old lenses because the old lenses are fine and just sell these buttons sell these bodies yeah you know make them aperture priority and yeah. manual make them functional you know mm-hmm. make them just make them clunky because people don't care they just want a film camera and and you know i think i think mm. they would do very well out of it because there's definitely a market there's definitely... oh yeah there's there's less less of the guys that repair them anymore they're all you know slowly dying off yeah exactly so there's a, there's going to be a problem there's going to be no spare parts soon yeah um, and the prices are going up i bought my pensac 67 6 years ago mm-hmm. for about for 400 quid and and two weeks ago, I sold it for twelve hundred. Jesus. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and um, I bought a Leica Minilux for a hundred pounds six seven years ago, and I sold it for five hundred about three months ago. God. So there is definitely a market for film cameras. People are buying anything if it's got if if, if it takes film. So I think one of the yeah. big two or three needs to say, right, we'll make a film camera. We'll make a dip, we'll make a we'll make an SLR and we'll make a nice compact. Yeah. And as long as it's not like a yeah, we we can't that afford won't that. Happen. But I mean it will it will be it would be nice if Canon or Nikon or even Pentax just reintroduced one of the old mm. classics like a K one thousand. because people would absolutely mm. buy it. Absolutely buy it. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. That's well, all I can do is keep fingers crossed. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, these Kickstarters seem to be a way for even some companies right. to test the boat. I mean, for our new, you know, that sort of Kickstarter really, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was. It was. And Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari used to be the big one of the big European manufacturers of film back in the day. Um, yeah, I never realised. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, I ain't been in the industry that long, and um, I was. Uh, when I interviewed uh, the two Austrians from Revelog, mm-hmm. they basically said they used to buy Ferrari. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, I used to sell it too. And, and the, Ah, okay. Yeah, and um, if you look at the old Italian films by, uh, if you go to find a director called Fellini, um, mm-hmm. all of his stuff was shot on Ferrania film. And, and it, oh. it has a beautiful look to it. Very similar to Fuji Acros, actually, but a little bit, sort of, a little bit more yeah. crunchier, a little bit more grainier. And um, it, it looked all of Fellini's films, Fellini's films rather, looked absolutely amazing. And he used Ferrania P30 film, and that's what you buy now. And I think that's why I would want to buy a roll. I, I, I do want a roll of Ferrani. In fact, I might, I might buy a roll tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> good on you. I think now I'm going to move on to the random questions. Okay. Dun dun dun. I need to get. A- I need to get some sort of soundtrack here, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's, it's always my fun part where I get to intimidate everybody and have a laugh. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> right, question one. Sure. Will Donald Trump be visiting the depths of the underworld or the pearly gates of St. Peter? Oh, I think that very much <laughs> depends if he repents on his deathbed. Um, if he if he repents, then he deserves his chance to 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 go to the pearly gates. If he does, if he doesn't, yeah, then who knows? Hmm. Okay. I can't say. That was very, 
very, very diplomatic answer. That. Well, you know, hey, look, it's it's, it's you know, he's, yeah, I'm obviously I am not a Trump fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been worse people in history. Oh God! If you look back at the history of the president, it's quite laughable, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so yes, it is laughable, and he is dangerous, and he is ignorant. Um, but then we know stupid, dangerous, and ignorant people that probably do deserve to go to heaven as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. If New York is a watermelon, and Lincoln is an orange, what fruit is London? Oh, blimey, that is a really good question. New York is a watermelon. Lincoln is what? An orange. orange. Uh, London. Oh, God, mate. that Where where did you get these questions? Did you make them up or did you find them somewhere? No, I always make stuff up, yeah. Okay, well, whatever it is you're taking, send some down to me. (laughs) Um, I... I'm usually driving to work and something will pop in my head. I'm like, right, I turn my app on and I speak into it and record it or I note it down when I'm on a toilet break or something. Right. Well, I mean, mate, fair enough. I tell you what, I tell you what London is. London is a bunch of grapes. Oh, okay. Each grape represents a London borough and there's lots of them. There you go. And and, And they're all tasty in their own way. That's that's a good answer. I like that. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm hating these questions. Carry on. Um, where will you be when World War Three breaks out? Uh, I, hopefully, I'll be standing next to Donald Trump at the pearly gates. I don't want to be there for that. <laughs> Is that because he's got a, a a burnt finger from pressing the button? <laughs> I don't think it will be him that, that is responsible for it, to be honest with you. I think mm. I think we're a few years off from it, but but I don't want to be around for that. So hopefully I'm I'm already at the pearly gates or at least welcoming people in. Okay, fair enough. All right, it's your matrix moment. Do you take the red pill and go down to the unknown like Alice in Wonderland? Or do you take the blue pill and wake up with no memory of what's just happened? First one. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic part in Matrix, go actually. Go, go down the... Um, to go down like Alice in Wonderland sort of thing, going down into a different world where you wake up. Uh, and it's a whole different reality. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I quite fancy that, actually. Yeah. But you just don't know what you're stepping into. No, you don't. So. No, you don't. But it's it's, mm. it's yeah, it's got to be better than Brexit, Britain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. And another strange one for you. Why are there no left-handed cameras? <laughs> wow. I thought about this earlier. Because every shuttle button's on the right-hand side. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So how have left-handed people not complained before now? Yeah, you're right. I must be built wrong to ask a question like that. Yeah, why are there no left-handed? That is a because if that is a brilliant that is a brilliant question. Yeah, because surely it's no different from any other thing, is it? No, no, exactly. Why would you have left-handed scissors? 
because it, it's apparently harder, isn't it, for yep. a left-handed person to use right-handed, which makes sense. And Why do toilets in airplanes have frosted glass? Well, you're going to say privacy, aren't you? Well, no, but um, the, the thing is, that is, again, that is an unanswerable question. Why would you have frosted glass oh, right, yeah, yeah. in an airplane? Yeah, you know, there's absolutely Yeah, you don't need it. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's stupid, yeah, it isn't is. it? Yeah, it is. But I, 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 in answer to your question, I have no idea. But that's going to keep me awake now. You asked me that, you asked me that too late. <laughs> it's, it was, it's 9.30. Yeah, I'm going to sleep any tonight now, mate. I think we should both like go on to who's a famous retailer, um, London Camera Exchange or someone. Just say, look, I'm really after a left-handed camera. Can you help me out? Yeah, a left-handed film camera. Yeah, just to see if you get anything back, because that'd be fantastic. When do it on Twitter, because Twitter's a nice place to get fast responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Aces high or low? High. Yeah. Oh, I've always done them low. Don't no, I've why. always gone for the 11 option. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Tells me about your character. <laughs> Do you have a recurring nightmare? And what is it? Actually, you know what? I, I haven't had it for many years. But, but and this is, I mean, that's quite a deep question, really. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it means something but uh, yes I did and up until about five years ago it stopped and I don't know why it stopped but it was okay. blindness I'd be, running around the, I'd be running around the streets not knowing where I was going Wow! and it was quite scary and it was quite scary so it must mean something but I haven't had that blindness dream for years but up until five years ago it was a regular thing from when I was very young yeah. to to, to literally five years ago. Would it, would it scare you waking up then or anything, Carl? Yeah, some, yeah, sometimes I would wake up and sometimes I'd sleep through it. Um, but it was, it was never, a, there was never a happy outcome to a blind dream. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to ask that one more because that's a really interesting answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite a deep question, really. I, I hope, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it means blindness i never even bothered to look it up but yeah because of course that's psychology which is 50 percent guesswork so <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly yeah yeah i bet someone could tell you it's something and you think right and then talk yourself into that right well that is the end of your random one so you got through mate well done that was interesting i wasn't expecting that okay um so now at the end, all I want to do is um, give you an opportunity to tell everyone where we can find out more about your exciting work. So over to you. Uh, well, I really, I only recommend the one place, which is this, which is Instagram. Okay. And I am there. I'm there under Capital Faces, C A P I T A L Faces, and um, that's where you'll see all my stuff, pretty much. Thanks a lot for that. Um, yeah, yeah, please do check it out. Uh, there's some lovely images on there. And Matt also did an interview with Bob from the Street Photography Magazine. Yeah. So I will I will link that in there as well, um, which is obviously worth a listen. Thank you very uh, much. Um, 
Bob's obviously a nice guy as well, so I want to tell everyone about the magazine. It's, it's you know something we're both passionate about, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I think um, yeah, Bob's doing some really good work actually. You know, it's I think to my knowledge, it's the only. No, there may be another one now, but there, there might be only one of two street photography magazines, actual publications. I don't know if there's many more. And um, no, it's probably e-zines and things. Isn't yeah, they, you know, but 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 I think it's he's doing some good work actually. Bob, he's, he really is, and uh, I think everybody should go and check out that magazine as well. He's it's an excellent magazine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I enjoy watching and uh, reading that when yeah, it comes through. Yeah. Um, so the last thing for you, Matt, uh, I've always asked my guests, who would you like to see on the show? Um, have you got anyone from any part of the world um, or the industry? That might be interesting as a guest. Um, got any ideas? Actually, plenty, to be honest with you. Um, All right, okay. I tell you what, and I don't know whether he'd do it or not, but there's there's a fellow in London who has an Instagram page called Heroes for Sale. His name's Shane, and uh, check him out. Mm-hmm. He takes some of the most beautiful street photography I've ever seen. Um, he, I mean, he's an un, he's an unconventional photographer. He uses a, a telephoto lens. Um, so he gets that, that sort of subject separation, but he's an absolute genius in Lightroom. His, his, his edits are some of the most beautiful edits you'll ever see. His output is fantastic. He's a film shooter as well. He does Fuji and he shoots medium format from a little Yashica, you know, the one, two, fours, I think he uses. Um, but his oh, work okay. is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's nothing that I could ever shoot. Um, because you know I shoot with the wide lenses and anything like that, but yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, but his but his Instagram page is heroes for sale. He's, I'd like to, I'd I'd listen to him. I'd like to, I'd like to 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 hear something from him. Okay. Um, uh, I I think he's he's uh, an interesting fella, and his his photo photography is absolutely wonderful. <coughs> and if you can get Dougie Wallace on. That would be great as well. Mm, okay. Well, you never know, do you? Um, you never know without trying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, uh, you know, I, you know what? I mean, I'd, I'd listen to any photographer on a podcast. So you know, they, yeah. they've nearly all got something interesting to say, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite, quite fascinating, actually. I, I love the interaction. And I think um, the podcast give you a way of getting to know that person a bit as yeah, well. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, which uh, your photos can't always do. Um, you, you don't see past the photo, do you? No, so. that's right. No, no, you, you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you you, you don't see. Um, say with my photography, you've got no idea how very little I shoot, and when I do shoot, it's quite an emotional or. A, uh, that sort of thing for me. I, I love getting out there when I can, um, and when I can shoot film, I'm even happier than normal. Um, and if it's medium format, I'm even happier. I, for for me, I mean, I understand that completely. Uh, for me, it's just it's being out there and shooting, and and you know, it gets me out of the house. It does, yeah. And if I if I live outdoors, I'm happy as Larry, really. Yeah. You know, I think it's that that it's really as simple as that. I don't take it too seriously. When you think about it, street photography is a very trivial act, and it's not worth taking yeah. too seriously. It's meant to be enjoyed. 
and and that's exactly what I do. Yeah, no, I think that's a great attitude, Mark. Um, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's really appreciated. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's been great to get to know you, and uh, we'll get that um, date in uh, Boston sorted soon, without a doubt. You know, I, t- I tell you what, mate, um, I'm actually coming up there. I'm spending my brother lives in um, uh, Newark. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm actually staying. Um, I'll be up there for Christmas this year. I'm going to spend about five or six days up in Newark. So right. let's stay in touch. And if you're around for those days, yeah. maybe, maybe we can meet up and and shoot then. Yeah, 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 that'd be excellent. Yeah. All right, mate. Cool. Yeah. Great stuff. Right. Well, thanks again, Matt. Um, it's really appreciated you finding the time to talk to me. Oh, and, I appreciate uh, it, mate. It's been been good fun. That's the end of another show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed making it. It's always great to have a guest on with me. Um, Please do share the post and podcast show as much as you can where relevant. Um, If you have time, please do not forget to review this on iTunes. Uh, Just hit the review button and give it five stars, please. It's always helpful. Uh, it's motivation for me to keep the show going, and I want to keep this going for as long as possible. And basically, I'd like to get lots of lots of different and interesting people on here. So that's what I'm trying to do. Thank you again, and see you next time. Bye. <laughs>